Jen. And this is Christine. And, and we, we are She Nanigans. Thanks for stopping by. Today's podcast pairing is with Tito's and ginger beer. Mm, one of our favorites. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Yum. So today we are so excited to introduce our guest, Barb Higgins. Hi, everybody. Hi, Barb. Hi, Barb. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to have you. Yes. Barb has, oh my God, <laughs> like who is going to play you in your movie? Uh, Francis McDormand, I think. Oh, okay. okay, perfect. I'm glad you haven't thought about that at all. <laughs> no, not a bit. Never crossed my mind that once. <laughs> you have so lived an extraordinary life, so much that I'm, I've been listening to your podcast, which is called A Thousand Tiny Steps, which is an awesome podcast. You've put out so many episodes. Thank you. And you're an open book, which we love. Yeah, you have yeah. to be sometimes. We just want to give you a shout out. I met you through Anna Bates. Yep. Okay. Who, I, who I coached when she was in high school, a reluctant runner. Now running is her life, which makes me laugh because it was not her life when I was Basketball. her coach. Yes. Basketball was her life. Oh, That's right. Yes. I'm sure she loves a shout out. Hi, Anna. I love that you run half marathons now, but you wouldn't run the mile in high school. And full marathons. Yes. Oh, okay. I love she it. ran in 2019. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I just signed up for the road race, by the way. <gasps> Devin's Dash? Yes. Oh, amazing. So it will take me a long time to finish. I'm not as fit as I used to be, but Please. it's okay. I'm excited. It's okay. Yeah. We're gonna, we are gonna have a band afterwards. Yeah, There's yeah. a whole lot of things. So yeah. I was just saying, like, I'm so excited to hear your story. I'm going to try not to cry because it's it's October and it's Devin's yeah, right. anniversary. Yes. And we just have, there's so many connections. There's so many connections. Yeah, that I can't wait right. for you to share. And I believe your first episode was on May 7th, and that's Molly's, you know, unplugged day. Oh. Another another weird connection in this podcast oh and mine, yeah. So yeah. let's talk about Molly. Okay, Molly, Molly. We both have Molly. Yes, we do. So my Molly was born on April 1st, and she would always say to people, I may be born on April 1st, but I'm no fool. And she was... <laughs> Like me, that. 100% me. We fought all the time. And I would often say to her, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And she's like, I want to be right. You know, that was just her personality. <laughs> I get that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. She was healthy and wonderful until she wasn't. And I think sometimes that's how it works. But mm -hmm. in hindsight, lots and lots of things show up. You know, it's like that movie, The Sixth Sense. You, when you watch the end and you go back and realize that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Oh, my God. Then you're like, how did I not how see did that? I not yeah. see, how did I not see that? And so that was a really difficult aspect of dealing with her death. So Molly died of a brain tumor called an astrocytoma. Her particular tumor was not cancerous. And when they took it out after it ruptured and killed her, it came right out. The hard part about her death was we had gone to the doctor's four times and then called an ambulance to take her to the emergency room because she had, she'd wake up in the night and she couldn't balance. It was like she was spinning around and she'd vomit and vomit. Mm -hmm. So we went four times to the doctors and every time we got a doctor that wasn't hers, so they didn't know her. And she, she'd been pudgy as a kid and she had this growth spurt and she was so skinny. All of us are skinny. I have a skinny family. And so every time she went to the doctors, we were just told, well, she needs to eat more. She's stressed out. Maybe she has a sinus infection. You know, and she has a tingly tongue and she had had Bell's palsy like six months prior which is yeah, when your face yeah. gets paralyzed. paralysis. So yeah. All of these things in hindsight, she'd wake up in the morning and it would take her a while to sit up without feeling nauseous. And you know, we'd always joke, my little 12-year-old daughter at the time, oh, yeah, having a baby, you know, morning sickness, and mm -hmm. we'd giggle. But she really, really, in hindsight, it was all, it's also obvious. But of course, at the time... No, you just, would never think. No. And yeah. um, one of her friends had severe migraines with very sim similar symptoms. So we thought, well, it's migraines. How so, old is she at this point? 12. Okay. 
So she turned 13 on April 1st, and once a week that month, we went to the doctors. Each week, the situation was worse and worse and worse. And we just were met with, you know, Ugh. they. I just, I'm like, just x-ray her head, you know. like. Did you, you say know. that? Mm-hmm. And they said no? They said no. I'm uh. like, I don't need a scan. Just put her head in front of an x-ray if there's a tumor in it. Wait, Why not? Right. Why not? No, they, I, yeah, it was, it was. And you know, as a mom yes. too, that like something's, yes. something's not right. Well, I actually said to the doctor, I am not one of those mothers who thinks every headache is a brain tumor. Something is not right here. Mm-hmm. And so we called 911 on May 1st and I had been away for a week. So Kenny and I were separated at the time. We'd been divorced for a while, but we've lived together off and on. One of those were married, but we're not kind of things. So I had been gone for a week. I went away to Europe on a vacation. It was school break. So I missed like the last eight days of her life, which is a has also been a hugely difficult piece of getting over, you know, dealing with her death. But we went to the ER and she laid there all day. They gave her medicine for a migraine and she fell asleep and essentially never woke up. And we kept saying, she's not waking up. She's not waking up. We arrived at like 10 in the morning and maybe 930 at night, they sent us up to pediatrics and all they had done is given her medicine. They refused. They'd come in and look at her and they tried to get up get her up to go to the bathroom and she couldn't even walk and she you know she didn't know where she was so still no head still CT nothing and when i asked when i asked the hospitalist oh we don't do cat scans on kids too much radiation i'm like well then an mri well we just missed the mri we'll have to wait till tomorrow morning Oh my God. Okay, we're in the emergency room and she's been asleep since we brought her here and she had been just vomiting and vomiting all night. I mean, we called 911. That's how significant it was. Infuriating though. So we get up to pediatrics and this wonderful nurse. And this is like in in 2016. Correct. Not like in 1990. Correct. It's like 2016. Right. Right. No, it's horrifying. I'm editing right now a book that I hired an author to write about this whole story. And so I reread it and I just, you know, yeah. it's it's like I'm right back there. So we finally got to pediatrics and this wonderful nurse in pediatrics, whose name I won't mention because we had a lawsuit and I don't want to, you know, get yeah. her in trouble, knew right away something wasn't right. And so she asked me, had Molly gone to the bathroom today? And I said, no, she hasn't. Uh, she probably has a very full bladder. So she calls the hospitalist and he comes up and all of a sudden it's midnight now. And all of a sudden, yeah, we better do a CAT scan. So of course, you know, Kenny and Gracie have gone home. I was spending the night there. I'm like, why now? What's going on now? And so they put a catheter in her to drain her bladder so we could go do the CAT scan. And I found out later that that's essentially what triggered the nervous system. She had already started to, to die. She couldn't know. The nurse would say, wiggle your toes and the toes wouldn't wiggle. Wiggle your hands and her hands would wiggle. So it was obvious that she was losing this. She was shutting down. Right. Um, but she had not urinated all day. And, and in the medical records, it said that she had. And so the nurse felt it was safe to catheterize her. But what that did was, because her tumor was in the brainstem, it triggered something which caused the tumor to rupture. Oh. So I'm standing there watching and holding her hand. She'd been thrashing back back and forth, back and forth, which is called myoclosis. So it's like that paralytics yeah. mm-hmm. stuff. And so then suddenly she was so still, I've never seen anything like it. And so I'm looking at her legs and I'm thinking, God, they're so still. And I look up at her face and it's like gray. Oh. And then it's sort of yellow and green. And it's and so I go around the other side and I start really losing it. And the nurse hits the code code blue button and they, you know, put me in the doorway and they do the paddles and all. So they get her heart beating. She but she that's really when she died. About one o'clock in the morning on May 2nd. But they got her heart beating again. They did the CAT scan and lo and behold, a giant tumor. So they called a neurologist to come and he did. He flew up the highway and they put it, they drilled a hole to drain pressure. So we sit down. And I, I know nothing at this point. I don't know that there's a mass. I don't know anything. I said, so what's up? And he goes, well, we found a mass. And I said, oh, I knew it. What's next? And he says, well, we're too late. Ugh. And I just look at him. I'm like, excuse me? 
And so I don't know how, I don't know. This was such a sudden thing for me. So I just started, I heard this horrifying scream and I'm like, what the hell is that noise? And it was me. You, yeah. And I crawled up on the table on my hands and knees right across the, to the doctor and just was like, no, like a voice I can't recognize. I peed mm-hmm. my pants. I crawled off the table onto the floor. One of the nurses is, you know, well, we need to sedate her. My mother was there. Gracie was in the waiting room with a friend and Kenny was there and my mother just said, no, 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 she needs to scream. Of course. I'm like, where is the nurse? Where? Like, I was just so angry. At, all day long, I'd been saying something wasn't right. They took an ambulance and brought her to Dartmouth-Hitchcock and took the tumor out. That's in Hanover, near Dartmouth yes. College. Yeah, my friend works there, yeah. actually. So I just, like, it was in the brainstem, but they were able to take it out? The, the wow. neurosurgeon. So we go to the hospital. She goes right into the surgery. I'm, we're now up on the PICU. We're just waiting to find out and all. And the neurosurgeon comes up and he goes, that tumor came right out. Easiest, you know, and the brain behind it looks fine. I, I really think she'll wake up. So we had this 24 hours of hope where, okay, okay, she'll wake up, she'll wake up. And then of course she didn't. I mean, she didn't, nothing moved, nothing. And so, you know, 12 hours go by. So Gracie, of course, social media, and Gracie was 15 at the time, a high school freshman. So before I know it, half of the town is at the hospital. Molly was just one of those kids that was super nice. And so we spent five days at, at the hospital with her on life support. Um, and two or three things about that are significant. <laughs> the most significant thing is Molly's head nurse was a man that I had dated for two and a half years, 25 years ago. So, you know, I look back and I think... Small world. Yeah, I look at pictures of <laughs> Chaz and I on the mountaintops. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to unplug my kid one day. You know, it was, and he was working the day that... So he... Which There's was no coincidence. No, I tell you what, there are not. Um, there are no. You just yep. said that on yeah. a pod, uh, an episode that yeah. I listened to. Yeah. Oh. So right. Well, none of this meeting and the right, three of us. Right. But we always no, say that too. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Hundreds of people came. There was a little bit on Channel Nine News, and you know, the schools all let kids come up and all this. And so we had tons of visitors. And the big thing for me, when I was ten, my best friend Mara died, and it was just. She was just gone. She disappeared. Went to the funeral, but we weren't allowed to go to the cemetery because children shouldn't see such things. And and I just knew that Molly's friends needed to see Molly before she disappeared. They moved patients around and opened up a room next to our room, and it was amazing. So it was five pretty spectacular days. And then the whole unplugging process. So before that, with children, when before you can remove a child from life support in New Hampshire, they have to do all these horrifying things to the body to make sure that she's really not going to wake up. So they poured water in her ear, and they rubbed a Q-tip on her eye, and they pinched her really hard, and they did all these different things that stimulate reflexes that if there was any life that it would come. And the last thing they do is they take the tube out of the mouth and you watch the CO2 levels rise. And when it gets to a certain point, if she could, she would gasp. But of course, there was no gasp. So she really has three deaths. She died She died May 2nd. Her death certificate says May 6th, and we unplugged her May 7th. So May 7th is what's on her you know, stone at the cemetery. And so then we went home, and I think probably the hardest thing for me about that was leaving her you know I got to lie in that bed three hours I laid with her like please don't make me get up please don't make me get up and everyone just cleaned the room out and they were wonderful and then I panicked my naked little 13 year old like in a in a drawer in a hospital like who's going to take care of her and oh my god I <sighs> just can tell you two things and not to interrupt you no, but fine. um I, I remember that feeling of them saying like the Devon had eight months to two years to live and I didn't scream but my recollection was being on the floor yeah and so I I don't even know if I actually was I don't remember anything at all same thing sitting in that room and the doctors are telling you that and and then when it's um, like you're outside of yourself. Uh, yes yeah right and 
when Devin died, the same thing, we didn't call the, he was at home, same thing, we wanted everyone to be able to come in and see him. Sorry. No. I said I wouldn't do this. No, um, you this was supposed to be funny. To do this. I'm supposed to laugh. Um, <laughs> but I remember when the coroners came, like, I asked to, to take him out, and so I carried him out, and um, I remember thinking, like, Devin, make sure, like, behave, like, be a good boy. And that was my, because, like, when you send your, he was six, and though, like, when I, he would go with someone else, I'd be like, be on your rest, like, be a good yeah. boy, like, be, and that was my thing. And then thinking, like, I just put my son in a car with two people I don't know, like, that's weird. And yes. that, those thoughts, so you thinking of that too, like, right. her alone. Right. It, because it's so out of, Oh, oh that's just it's not so right. surreal and out yep. of context. Yep. When um when they told us for sure that she wouldn't wake up, we had a nurse, Shalene, and that was Tuesday night, and she, she just said, Molly will never wake up. She had a catastrophic injury to her brain. She was dead before she got here, which I think in my heart I knew. You know, you just kind yeah. of know. And so I, ha I had another sort of screaming episode then, but the second significant part of that week, Chaz is the first part, is Gracie. So Molly and Gracie are two years apart, but Molly was always the leader, even though she was the younger I was so worried that Gracie wouldn't, you know, how to how to handle this. And I had her come in and sit in front of me and let, let this wonderful old white-bearded doctor, whose name escapes me, explain to her. And he, he just did it so lovingly, explaining how the brain works and that Molly's brain had drowned and flooded and all this. And so Gracie says, okay, you can be honest with me now. I just have one question. And you can tell me the truth. When will she wake up? And so she just didn't get that she wasn't going to wake up. And I'm like, no, honey. God. She's not going to wake up. And so Gracie run, ran out of that room. And, she and Gra like, Grace was 15? Yeah. Okay. Just turned like a week after okay. her 15th birthday. So, but a young 15. Yeah. And so all of her dance friends were there. There was a group of girls there and one of the, a couple of neighborhood friends. And so Gracie runs out and says, Molly, we'll never dance again. So that no one knows what's going on. They don't, does it mean she's paralyzed and all this? So I go out to this group of girls and their mother and I sit them all down. So I, I, I have a really good ability to dissociate. Yeah. I'm like just, okay, I have to, you know. And so I, the nurse was like, let me do this. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So I, I go through the whole story and I explain, you know, Molly's had headaches and we tried all these things. And so she has a tumor that really did damage her brain, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I thought I was pretty clear about it. And so Kelsey, her smartest friend, Kelsey went to a private school, straight A's, everything else, raises her hand. I'm like, what is it, Kelsey? So how long until she wakes up? Like they just couldn't wrap their heads yeah, around the can. fact that no. I said, honey, she's not going to wake up. And so it was just these, this group of six girls, we call them the Tuesday night girls, crying and crying and the mother's crying. And so Gracie took them in one at a time to have like a private goodbye to Molly. So they go in to the PICU to make sure that we're not bothering. And everyone behind the desk is just sobbing. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what's wrong? And, and they, they just said, your daughter is phenomenal. You can touch her. You can't hurt her. She can hear you. You know, take as long as you want. Like, here's, this is her sister. And Gracie's just facilitating all of this healing for her friends. Wow. And then the third piece was Chaz sitting, sitting with Molly in that drawer. He had gotten off work and he sat until the funeral home came and just took care, took you know, he just texted me, okay, she's, and Glenn, the guy at the funeral home in Concord, we used, we used Bennett's, um, he was, he had his daughter handle everything, I realized that's your child. So we couldn't donate any of her organs, um, because they didn't know if her tumor was cancerous, it wasn't, so we could have, Kenny, Molly's dad, could have had her kidney, he needed a kidney transplant at the time, and so, uh, at that same time? Oh, we, Molly, Kenny was so sick, we spent years preparing the girls for his death, Oh my God. And then Molly dies. And so, so he was on dialysis. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Heavy duty. Wow. 
we donated her eyes. She had these giant, gorgeous eyes, like ridiculously beautiful. And so that was the only thing we could donate, the corneas, because there's no blood flow there. And so the organ bank people called me and said, okay, so we're going to send someone up to get her. I'm like, what do you mean get her? So they were going to bring her to Waltham to take the, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. No, unless you can come get me and I can sit with her. I'm not, I just lost it on the phone. So they called back and said, no, no, we'll send someone up to the hospital and we'll do it there. And so Chad's oversaw all that as well. So I just felt like they took care of my needs to make sure that her little body was not yeah as they should hurt yeah. by anybody yeah. because I don't yeah. think we, I don't think people know how to act no oh they do no. not no That's, so I think either you ha- inherently have that as a nurse and a, a healthcare right. provider or you don't right but some people I mean it is and to no fault of that like you're never taught this no. stuff no you, get, you not, get the medical piece right and the, yeah. and the diagnosis piece but if you have like this empathy or a past history, then right. you can sort of right. relate. Well, but and it's I, so hard. And I just think too, like it's not normal. Like it's not kids normal. dying is not normal. No, like, at all. and so in your head you can process like when someone's old and they're they're sick and they're right. dying, right? right? And then, and and like the same thing with Devin. Like all these kids, like Devin was this four youngest of four boys and was just this super charismatic outgoing like and all these kids like loved him and then all of a sudden he was sick out of nowhere and he was swollen and whatever and then eight months and three weeks later he was gone I mean so any of these ages it's just not normal and I think it's so terrifying like your Molly had such a hard time with it after and eating and you know having fear and all these kids and I just like your daughter Gracie was is older, fifteen. Like that's even like I don't know what's, I don't know. And, and well, that, I'm sure that well, I mean I'm sure that was her best friend. Oh, I mean they were they were yeah. like one. That's just it too. They had this. It was Molly Gracie Gracie Molly. No spaces. One, yeah. One person. One huge soul connecting these two girls. They were each other's absolute best friend. Gracie. A freshman in high school, she'd get out of school at 2.40 and Molly got off the bus at 3.15 from the middle school and Gracie was at the bottom of the driveway every freaking day. Ew. And oh. they'd run in and talk about their day. And then when we would go, if we went to pick Molly up, like the year, that, her seventh grade year, the year that she died, she wasn't feeling well. All And so I didn't know a lot of this. Molly and Gracie kept a lot of it secret. That's their guilt. Kenny blew it off and that's sometimes his guilt. I was in a very emotionally unstable year. Like I look at all the different things and I think sometimes the universe meant to distract me and I'll oh. get to why I think that in a minute. But like she was supposed to die. And had <laughs> I been a norm, my normal self, I probably would have facilitated her not dying. I know it sounds so weird. I hear myself say the words and I think, how, how is it that I say these words? But you live this life and suddenly... It's, it's I, not weird. She, no, I totally Christine get it. Christine says the same thing. Yeah, like, and you feel like sometimes when you say it out loud to someone, you're like... They don't gonna, get it. Someone's going to think I'm crazy for right. saying this. Yes. But I believe wholeheartedly 1 million percent what you're saying right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, so the tricky thing about an astrocytoma is that nine, 99% of the time they're not cancerous, they're benign tumors, but they come back and they, they right. come back in ways that they can't be removed. And so... They mutate. Yeah, so it's typically a second time around with an astrocytoma is a long, slow, painful death. So about a year after Molly died, I was at a Taylor Swift concert and I needed to get, I needed drinks. That's funny in itself. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Molly and Gracie were huge Swifty fans. So, Same. So I, I'm at, <laughs> was it at Gillette Stadium? Yes, 2017, I think. I wasn't there in it 17, was the, but 18, it was, 2018. Maybe it was 2000. It was the, um, whatever, you know, the, what was the one that came out after Molly died? I don't know. 22? It, we were probably... 
No, it was. Um, I want to see her secretly. I've she's seen great. her like seven times. Yeah, we, she's great. So we're so we're at Gillette Stadium. The night before, we had all gone and worn our Molly shirts. So it was Molly's best friend and Gracie's. Like a group of like sixteen of us went to see the show, and we all wore these shirts and we all sat together. And then the next night, I went with a friend of mine, my daughter Gracie and her daughter. We're all walking around Patriot Place and and everything. And I'm like, okay, I need to get drunk, and I'm not gonna buy those overpriced half shot drinks <laughs> that they sell in the stadium. So I went to a bar and I sat down. It was packed, and I had a mo- hashtag Heart Molly B button on, and it was kept coming undone so I put it on the bar and I'm sitting there this woman's next to me and she doesn't look quite right I'm like are you okay she goes no I'm really struggling and she said I have my daughter here I'm like oh and I said, where's your daughter? Well, she's in an ambulance. She's really she's very close to dying. And her one of her wishes is to see Taylor Swift. And I said, well, oh my gosh. And I said, well, my daughter Molly died. And so I'm having a really hard time being here. So we got talking. And she said, what did your daughter die of? And I said, an astrocytoma. And they could have taken it right out. So this woman just starts sobbing. So I look at her. I'm like, what? And she said, well, my daughter has an astrocytoma oh right now. God. And she's 13. So it's a crowded bar. I could have uh, sat anywhere. Yep. No. And she says, yeah. and I said, oh, is it not fixable? And she said, well, here's the thing. I know that you're beating yourself up about the fact that she could have survived this. Our daughter survived it at eight. At age eight, they took one out of her brainstem and she was fine for five years. So I get it. I've had five more years with her that I would have if she died at eight. But for her, if I could go back and make her never wake up, I would do it in a heartbeat because her death was so awful and painful. So I think, okay. So oh. she, she was meant to sit next oh. to you. Yes. Yeah. Give you that yeah. message. One, yeah. one million percent. Yeah. Yep. Like I think, and I've said this to you too, like I see it's, it's such a, like she was like, what if, but like kids who have gone through like year like radiation and yes. have had tumors come back the quality of life their is quality yes. of life is so bad and right. like it affects the whole family and yes. it's like and like I know personally like Devin was this like super physical kid and he would never have wanted to live like that and no. you're like so that was your message one million percent right. that right. woman right I mean when I, I carried so much guilt because I wasn't there the last two doctor's appointments I wasn't there and so I feel like I failed her you know and I didn't fight hard enough you know, like you weren't supposed to be right there. well and then one of the doctors said the brain tumors run in your family and I said no and of course Caleb died of a dip G and so but that's my my cousin and so for those of you who yeah. DIPG so we met earlier and her nephew died of DIPG also yeah which is which another is, connection yeah she, First calls, she calls it dip G which is yeah. actually a we were like what? A, a sweeter name yeah. for it. Yeah. It sounds nicer, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, you guys had me at hello, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so a lot of my struggling was around that guilt. About two months after she died, a woman named Kate called me and said, I'm a medium. Would you just come see me? I have some things to tell you. And I, I've been trying to push it off because you need more time, but I'm getting a lot of pressure from Molly to get you in here. This so, woman just randomly calls you and correct. says this to you. So I go in and it was and she just described so much of Molly's last week. A man with a shiny coat, it's shiny. Well, that was her science teacher. And he, he thought if he wore a bright coat, it would wake her up and hit a bow tie and he brought chocolate. Like, you know, um, she had all these di- different details about it, but she basically said Molly's huge mes- message is she understands now. She understands all that you went through. She's not mad at you. Because she was very angry that I went away. So not only was I gone, but we weren't in a good place. And, I, you know, there was no resolution of that, which is heartbreaking. And so in the years that, that followed, I had a really, really bad couple of years. I haven't quite gotten to that part in my own podcast and story yet, but I was I was 
drinking all the time. I didn't work. I, I didn't do anything. I really just stopped. I just sat stunned for a long, long time. Because and just to, to back up, you were an educator. Yes. In yep. Concord for yep. years. Yeah, 21 years as a public school educator. And coach. Yep, track coach. And then in the years, pr- I lost my job. And <laughs> that's another great little <laughs> narcissistic friend story. For two years, I did a whole lot of nothing. I gained like 35 pounds. I drank a lot. I ate primarily carbs, which means mac and cheese and croissants, because I really just didn't give a shit. Delicious. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. it like um, made you feel a little yeah. better for a second, exactly. right? Exactly. Yep, yeah. yep. I was very, very dependent on some prescription drugs and entered into a really dark drug use sort of two years. Really ugly. Someday I'll tell you all the details. But we settled, we had a lawsuit and that was a two-year ordeal. And I will tell you, I had a lot of people tell me not to do it because it's a difficult process, but I just felt like there had to be some measure of justice, like there had to be something. Yeah. And you know, even justice doesn't bring back a dead person. But I do feel that it was important for those doctors and nurses to be held accountable, that a lot of their decisions and assumptions and the things that I read, two times they said she had an eating disorder that was alarming, but no one told me they thought she had an eating disorder. And so I had to be deposed. I had this deposition. And, uh. you know, I got, I got angry enough at one of the attorneys to ask her, how did she ever bring her daughter to work? <laughs> you know, oh, what do yeah. you do on bring your daughter to work day? You do something different <laughs> right. than what you actually do? Because, yeah, it was, it was a very, very tenuous experience. So we settled. I would be punished more by giving the details like the names of the doctors my fine is bigger than the fine they got for Molly's death and that's the reality of medical malpractice and I get it some people follow the, the malpractice lawsuits without merit and, and it's a very very high pressure way for doctors and nurses to feel I get it but she was just so clearly overlooked and not believed and right and I think a small thing like a head CT I mean radi- we, we chest x-ray our kids all the time yeah. and do other things a head CT is such a small yeah. thing to do right I just don't understand why that wouldn't just be a rule out. But I think also brain tumors, I think like DIPG also takes so long or longer than it should to diagnose. They think there's an eye issue. They think there's, they're throwing up. There's all these things that they're like, I don't know if it's because it's not, you know, typical or they don't want, but like, I mean, Devin only had a a CAT scan and an MRI because we thought he had a concussion. But I hear all these stories of these families who go through like, weeks and weeks right. and weeks right. of going to doctors yeah. eye doctors different like and and uh, just looking inside in my in my deposition one of the attorneys tried to accuse me of uh, Munchausen how do you know so much boy you know an awful lot about Munchausen your you know, like, daughter had a brain tumor yeah, how would she even say well yeah you know I know that's what's Munchausen by proxy is yeah. when you inject your daughter with like feces right so exactly that's not yeah. that no <laughs> that but is. he but he just was like it seems like you like the fact that she was sick and you know like really oh, just trying God. to make me look I mean, awful in this trial this is what they're doing this, this was in the deposition and so he just said how do you know so much about that so one of my attorneys was a youth football coach and so I said so I said you know hey you know as a football coach don't you have to have concussion training and he goes yeah every year and I said so do I coach cross country if I take a girl to the ER that fell in a race and hit her head I insist on a cat scan why because I can't bleed I can't feel a tumor yeah I can't see a broken bone it's in here can't see a bleed you take you a picture yes and they just got silent because how do you how do you argue that right you can't, you can't. So once the lawsuit was settled, that was sort of like a second death. You know, you spend two years talking about the, the days and weeks and months leading up to the death. So mm-hmm. in part of your mind, she's still here. Yeah, you know, right. you think, okay, well, she'll be back when this is over. And then it ended the end of June. And that was like a second. It was like she died all over again. Yeah. It was like, now what? You yeah. know? Well, you had a fight to fight. Then, yes, right? exactly. And I went right into it. And we had an amazing attorney. He, he's just, we're, we still communicate and he's wonderful. While all this, you know, living in the black hole of despair was going on, I started having these intense dreams about having a baby. So 
I was still um, having my period pretty regularly when Molly died. Actually, the week she died, all three of us were, you know, that whole yeah, <laughs> sinking thing cycle. with mm-hmm. girls in the family. So, But Molly died and it completely stopped and I started having these hot flashes and things at night. And I thought, oh, so I went to my OBGYN. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> a little menopause for you. And he said, your, your numbers don't indicate it, but it's, you know, grief. Trauma menopause is very common. And so, I said, well, I'm having this dream. I'm supposed to have a baby. And he goes, well, okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Put but, that in your back yeah. pocket. <laughs> but I found this amazing clinic in Stoneham called Cardoni Reproductive Health. And Dr. Cardoni is this big, giant, yummy Italian guy. <laughs> oh, my God. Delicious. <laughs> he's, he is. You know, he's older. He's not young, but he's just so what? You know, like, he's, he's just so funny. And, and so we, we did all this testing. And he said, yeah, he, I'll do it. And his clinic went up to 55. So, of course... I was only just 53 at the time. Just 53. <laughs> you know, so young, young oh, spry, yeah, 53, yeah. chickens. So, um, <laughs> so. Wait, and I just said, this is how long after, so this is like two Molly and di- a half years well, no, after. Molly died in May, and I had the first dream in July. So okay. that whole 2016, all the way into January of 2017, I had these dreams and I started following through. Passed every test and I was told, yep, you you fit. So of course then they give you the price and it's not cheap. And okay. we were just in the thick of the lawsuit. So I just looked up at the sky and I said, I've done everything I can, stop bothering me. I can't do this now. And didn't have a dream again for the rest of 2017 and the first half of 2018. So we settled our lawsuit at the end of June in 2018. And two weeks later, I'm sitting on the porch having coffee and Kenny comes down and I said, guess what dream I had last night? And he went, the baby dream, because he had had it as well and he had never had it. Oh my oh, God. Wow. So, and it wasn't like, it's just a void. You just wake up with this overriding feeling that I'm supposed to have a baby. So, so I have to ask something. This is personal. You can answer it or not. So you had said you and Kenny were like married, divorced, and separate, like separated at, at this point. So when... When Molly died, and now you're going through all this, does it bring you closer together? Not as husband and wife at all. I was in a relationship with somebody. Um, Kenny and I, at the time Molly died, we had an apartment, and we just, we did the moving. So we furnished an apartment about two miles from our house. So I'd live in the apartment for a week, and Kenny would live at home. So in the mornings, he had to go to dialysis at 6. So I'd get up at 5.30 and go home. He'd go to dialysis. I'd make their breakfast. And then I'm on the school board in Concord, so oftentimes in the evenings, he needed to be there to make dinner. So we just split one week I'd sleep at the apartment, the next week he'd sleep at the apartment. But the girls still saw it, both of us pretty much every day. But And you're totally amicable. Yes, because and... we weren't we, we we had made the cut, you know, like yeah. there's nothing to fight about now. Wow. And we have our separation and, and we had That's... been separated a couple of times prior. So when Molly died, I just was I I couldn't function and Gracie was just a Gracie was just decimated. So we had his Kenny's older son needed a place to live. So he just moved into the apartment and I just moved back home. We just stayed home. But Gracie and I slept on the living room floor for two years. So when Molly died, the person I was seeing was very insistent that Kenny needs to move out now. I need to move in. We need to clean up your house. What are we calling this guy? Well, we're calling him Roy because that's his name. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we would just call him Roy. In his defense, we had been on again, off again for a long time. My marriage was good, and then it was bad. Then I actually divorced in 2014 for some financial issues. So it had been a long time of, of on again, off again. And so I'd finally made the jump and gone on vacation with him and, you know, all these things. And then Molly died. And all I could think of was that I had to hold my family together as best yeah. I could for Gracie. She mm-hmm. was just a mess. And he was patient with it for about six weeks. But... 
you know, six weeks. Six weeks. <laughs> right. Wow. And then he just what said, a guy. Look, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> piece that was hard around that, I could have I could have dealt with just sort of breaking up, but he just invisibled me. Like he took me off all of social media. It was like I never existed in his life. And he had a new girlfriend and was going on oh. vacation. It, like I was at a dance competition in Providence, Rhode Island, and he, he brought his first date to the actual restaurant I had eaten in the night before in Providence. And neither of them lived in Providence. You know, like really bizarre. That I didn't know weird. this until after. And then they dated for like a year and a half. But, you know, well, it was just... And I'm sure to be erased like that, like you just lost your daughter, like, which is like stops everything. And yes. then to have that, like, that's like so re-traumatizing. Losing, yes. losing yes. things. And, and, you know, he was always a big stickler on honesty. And I'm like, well, this poor woman that you're dating doesn't even know I exist or that you've just gone through this. How is that even close to fair? Like, but I was just a mess. And so we ended it and we've kept in touch on and off. That's not, <laughs> that'll be a fun, a fun podcast season. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm actually saving that one. That, okay. That's a, that's a chunky season. That'll be a lot, a lot of episodes. <laughs> Put your boots on for yeah, that one. Exactly. Yeah, and bring your alcohol because you'll need it. <laughs> so Kenny and I really just live side by side. We had we don't we're not romantically involved. We he sleeps upstairs. I sleep right now. I sleep downstairs with Jack. Mm. So yummy sleeping with babies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> little, little diversion babies. there. Yeah. So I stayed. Gracie went back up to her room two and a half. You know, summer of 2018. I stayed downstairs for like another few months, and then I went upstairs and tried to sleep upstairs. And so now it's 2018, and I'm really insistent on having this baby. So I go back to the doctor. And of course, I'm and taking having this baby with Kenny IVF. So it's all sperm and eggs come from labs. They get right, extracted I mean, from bodies with needles. Initially, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I'd adopt an embryo. Quite frankly, the, the baby had nothing to do with Kenny. And I, my first few months of looking into doing it, I didn't even tell anybody. It wasn't yeah. like you and Kenny have to have a baby. But as as I really realized, I had to follow through. I wanted Gracie. If it could be my egg and his sperm, then she's got a full sibling. But if either one of us couldn't, I wanted the chance that at least one of us could, so that she would have be related to her brother, which she is. So yes, yeah, so I brought him into it. And he was all he was completely fine and when he sort of had that dream himself he's like okay i get it we're supposed to do this that's what i was wondering too because he had the dream but it wasn't until the lawsuit had ended and all that so in the process of becoming getting off the nine thousand drugs i was taking and then (laughs) quitting the other drugs i was using um i went to my i have a really good primary care and so we just set up a a like a calendar plan started august 15th taper went to december for it took till december 1st Mm -hmm. to get off of everything can i ask you what what i was on Mm -hmm. oh god i was on xanax the slow release Benzos are so hard yes. to... Yes. Lorazepam. Another benzo. Citalopram. Mm-hmm. Selexa. Um, and, <laughs> and then... Uh, I always say that one wrong. I have so a prim. trigeminal neuralgia, mm-hmm. which is a nerve condition. So I was on... Neurontin. Neurontin and Tegretol and Topramax. Topramate? Yep. One of those. Yep. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the med rec. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I was fine. <laughs> and Doing then, really well. Our yeah. favorite word. Fine. 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 Yes. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> so so in the process, my mouth was really hurting me, and I realized I wasn't going to go nine months without addressing... jobs. Just kidding. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Actually, that would be a fun episode. <laughs> a lot of people listening right now are like, don't mention my name. Yeah. No. Nope. Um, give you a fake name. <laughs> I had lost my job in 2011. I lost health insurance. And so I was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia in 2013. And I didn't have a brain scan at the time, an MRI, because my it's not something that will kill you. And of course, I was on Medicaid. And Medicaid's like, it's not going to kill you. You're not going to pay. We're not going to pay for an MRI. I'm going off all this medicine. My mouth is killing me. I have this wonderful referral to a doctor in White Plains, New York, um, Imad Eskandar, who is really good at trigeminal neuralgia 
repair. I emailed him and said, would you consider taking me as a patient? Now, meanwhile, we haven't received money from the lawsuit yet. We still have Medicaid and financial support from the state. I have nothing. He says, sure, come on down. Have this MRI. So I go to my neurologist locally. He's going to fix it. We need to do the MRI for surgery so he can see what he would need to do. So I have the MRI. It's December 10th, 2018. And I go home and I'm sitting at the kitchen table having coffee. It's like 25 minutes after I get home from the MRI and the phone rings. And I look at my phone and it says Concord Neurological Associates. And I'm like, they don't call you with good news 25 minutes after an MRI. Right, right. So I answer the phone and it's my doctor who's, she's sobbing. And I'm just like, Dr. Tanase, what's wrong? And she said, oh, you have three brain tumors. And so oh I'm, I'm just, I'm, Kenny and I, I have a speakerphone and I'm, I'm, I don't even know what to do because... That wasn't in the plan. No, yeah. no. and I, I had not one symptom. I mean, zero symptoms. So... We hung up, and all I can think is poor Gracie. You know, like oh my god, she she's been thinking her dad will die forever. Her sister is dead, and now her mother has brain tumors, and here she is trying to have a normal senior year and just be like a seventeen-year-old happy girl. I go down for my little consult. This doctor was amazing, and I just said, "Look, I don't even have insurance right now. I just have Medicaid." He goes, "I don't want you to worry about any of those things. You tell oh. your daughter that we'll make you okay." Oh my god! Oh, and they did. That's what so you need to hear. yeah. So I had a stage one meningioma, which is if you have a brain tumor, that's the one to get because it's nothing. It's not hormonally based. It was just, but it was at the junction of my auditory and ocular nerve, um, and it was putting pressure on my carotid artery. And so he said, "The tumor itself isn't deadly, but..." It, the way it was pressuring your carotid artery, you likely would have had a stroke six months to a year. So wow. you really came at the right time. Oh so I'm like, okay, maybe this is why I was supposed to have the baby. You know, because what, fixing yeah. my mouth, I just would have kept taking the drugs. It, it, it worked just fine. Right. And, and all of that was meant to... Oh, when, all right. of it. It's all it was meant a path. to be. Yeah, yeah. So a neat story around that is the night I get that news, I get a phone call from Amy, who was my first ever babysitter for Molly and Gracie, and she lives in Wisconsin. And I performed their wedding. It was a blast. And she calls me. And Wait, you I, performed her wedding? Wedding? Yeah. How? What do you mean? Um, I, she, I married them. I married them. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Okay. okay. So, um, but I they weren't like, married did yet. Did you swing on swings? <laughs> yeah, did you sing a song? Like, their wedding. What'd yeah. you do? Okay. Acrobatics. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so she was at a, like a cocktail party, like an office party in, in Wisconsin and I'm in my kitchen freaking out and she calls me and she goes, what's, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, okay, I'm at a cocktail party and the bartender comes up and says, do you know somebody, a little girl somewhere who, you know, her mother? And it, of course, out of context, Amy's like, what? And the bartender's like, a little girl, a little girl who died. Does your name begin with A? Does she call you little A? So, of course, that is exactly oh what we God. called Amy. So, well, you need to tell her mother three things. A, she's not going to die from this. It's not her time. B, she, it's time to burn the clothes. And C, I sl I'll sleep with Gracie every night. Let Gracie know I sleep with her every night. This woman doesn't know Gracie. She doesn't know I have a brain tumor. Yeah. She knows nothing. Oh, my God. So... Amy tells oh me all God. this, and so she goes, burn the clothes, all right, what's wrong? And so I had a friend that was a very unhealthy friend, and she was just she just turned on me and said I was faking my brain tumors, all these crazy things. I attract really crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why we all love each other. <laughs> but um, so so people anyway, make up yeah. people make up brain tumors all the time. Yes, yes, yes. and we, they get doctors to cut their heads open and take them out. Yeah, yeah. must yes, go fun. with the Munchausen. <laughs> yes, that exactly. Yeah. Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty intense. So I went off to White Plains and I had a huge cranium. Did you burn the clothes? Yes, I did. So the the clothing um, was anything connected to this woman. She owned a she owned like a center for kids. I don't want to be too specific, but yeah. yeah no. So uh, anything that we had that had the name of it on there, we put in the fire. Oh wow! So what we do? We I, when Molly was alive, we did this. I had another falling out with the same person. We did it to sort of like end the friendship on a healthy note. So we'd pick up a, an article of clothing and we'd 
talk about a good memory. Oh, the sleepover was great. And then we'd put it in the fire and we'd let the flames be our anger and our rage. It's at cleansing. The, wow, yeah. that and is, then yeah. off the smoke goes to heaven and, and you've made your peace. So the, that woman, that medium, bartender lady there, knew all these things. And so... That's incredible. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 So I had a craniotomy January 10th. And they said, don't cut your hair because we'll just do a little thing. We'll take it out. And I woke up with no hair and a scar like the whole length oh, of my wow. head. And then two Did months, they not know there were three at They the time? knew there were three. They just didn't know how big and how deep that one was. And okay. it was they had to just sort of refigure it. Um, okay. So when I woke up, that my, cardio, my neurologist was like, who's Vinny? And I'm like, what? And Jack, who's Jack? And, and who's, Mo- we know Molly, but you know, who's Mary? And asking me all these names. And so I have this very, it took me a while to remember. Um, and my, my college, one of my college roommates was there because Kenny was at dialysis. They had to set up dialysis for him. And so he's at dialysis when I woke up and my college roommate, Tanya, was there. And she goes, just, I'll record it. Just tell me what you remember. And so what I remembered was like, dark shadows and they would open this beautiful yellow light and there was this woman Molly who died at 29 and she was there with all these dogs and my Molly and a boy named Jack and a girl named Marilee and a boy named Vinny were all like patting the dogs and playing and laughing and just just you know it's going to be okay and just joking around you know I, I have the recording at home did you know all these people yeah I so know. they're all children they're all dead oh, children oh, okay. and they're all children that I met through amazing Ellie's Way it's an amazing grief group online um, and then they're you know the the Compassionate Friends, TCF has a lot of... So I like lived on my phone. That was how I got... So Vinny, his parent, he was from Michigan and he got hit by a car his senior year. And so his dad does a support group. And so we clicked right away. And then um, Marilee is a little girl who was born like a month before Molly and she died of a brain aneurysm. Similar, they took her to the doctors over and over. So these are all people you met through grief. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then um, Jack, I just met his mother last week at Disney. So Jack um, was out with friends and a gun went off and shot him in the neck and they panicked and just left him there and so he bled to death he was 13 oh my god so his mom brandy so i these are just people that i'm you know that i that i talk to a lot online and connect with wow so I, I sent a video to all these parents and said, look, if this offends you, I apologize, but please. And then Molly, the older Molly, uh, her mom lives in upstate New York, and, and there are a lot of family connections there that we didn't, never knew until our children died. So that was a pretty intense experience. So, so then I had to have radiation in February, because these were too little, so they blasted them. It wasn't like chemical radiation. It was like radiosynthesis. Yeah, I whatever, guess where they yeah. blast them. Um, and that was the scariest part, because they lock your head in a vice, and it's, right. I was just like, you know, <laughs> they don't let you get drunk first. <laughs> Might have helped. <laughs> They give you Xanax, but Frown when, when, you're, when you're on all the drugs I was on, I'm like, really, yeah. Xanax? Like, you think that's good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a little one Give me 10 of them. Yeah. yeah. And then in April, I had the surgery on the other side of my head for the trigeminal neuralgia. So I had two craniotomies in three months, which is not super normal. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 Nope. No. So then we went to Disney because Molly's, so vacation week is the last week of April, and then death week is what we call it, is the first week of May. So we go to Disney every year at that time. Just to, Molly never went to Disney. There's no connection to her there. It's just, I miss her, but I don't, she's not missing from the trip because yes, she never went. Yes. If you know what you know it's what, go be a course. kid and yes. go be, yeah. So Kenny's, at this point, really probably months away from dying because dialysis just makes him throw up and sleep. And so it was a day that he had dialysis. I was still bald. And I had all this like brain fluid bubble on the side of my head. So we're both sitting by the pool. And I see online that a, a girl that danced with Molly at Concord Dance Academy is on life support at the same hospital. So she had a peanut allergy. And, you know, she's a beautiful mm-hmm. blonde girl with her beautiful blonde friend. And they went and ate. And she starts reacting. And um, so she did her EpiPen twice. So she ate egg rolls. And there was peanut paste instead of oil or whatever and they didn't change the menu so she ordered them because she ordered them safely before so they you know sent a transport ambulance which 
wasn't helpful. And so she, she actually coded in the ambulance, but they took her to the local hospital and then she was up at Dartmouth on life support. So for two weeks, this girl was on life support. Molly's funeral was this big Molly B. the Musical, and it filled a 1,300-seat theater. So Rachel was in the opening number, which Molly had danced, so they had danced together. I love that Molly's funeral was... Oh, yes. it was the happiest a thing ever. It was unbelievable. Like a theater yes. production, yes. right? exactly. There was dancing, singing, musical instruments. Um, she would all of it. Oh, she yeah, loved yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. What she would like is that her name was on the marquee, <laughs> Molly B. the Musical. Oh, <laughs> I have a DVD that. of it. I'll bring it sometime and I you can that. watch it. It's beautiful. So I call the mother because, or I message the mother, because when Molly was on life support, like the these, Molly, hashtag heart Molly B shirts her friends designed them we sold enough to pay for her funeral you know like people just did things for us there was food at my house all the time and so we did I said Kenny we have to do this this is why we're homesick today and so I didn't know this woman we knew of each other so when we got home to Concord we went, went right up to the hospital and you know we met right away and hugged and everything so we ended up uh raising about thirty thousand dollars for this family and so wow um, Rachel's birthday, by the way, is May 7th, which is Wait, Molly's death did, day. Did she die? Yeah. So From a peanut allergy? Yes. Yes. Uh, horrifying. All sorts of little mistakes that I think Her birthday was May 7th? Yeah. So uh. so she turns, so we, we find out that Molly, that, that Rachel is not going to live. So, you know, I'm hugging Jen. I go up to say my goodbyes to Rachel. I whisper, find Molly. And I'm sure she's already here. It's going to be fine. I'll take care of your mother. I'll take care of Allie. Gracie will take care of Allie. Kenny will take care of Jake and your dad. Don't worry. We're on it. It's okay to go you know like just go Rachie it's okay and so we got talking and Jen asked me did you donate Molly's organs and I said well we weren't allowed to because they didn't know if she had cancer and Kenny could have had her kidney and Jen said hmm Kenny needs a kidney and I said yeah so it's May 7th so they unplugged her May 8th they didn't want to the hospital let her all her friends from UNH come and have like a keg party in the hospital to celebrate her 21st birthday right she's finally old enough to drink UNH has a lot of keg parties yeah yeah yeah. well well, this one was like off campus (laughs) so an Ivy League keg party right Mm -hmm. and so they unplugged her May 8th so we're at the cemetery though on May 7th so Rachel's in the hospital her last night on life support we're sending our little lanterns up you know, three years that Molly's gone. And I get a phone call from Jen and she wants to know Kenny's kidney transplant coordinator's name because they want to give him one of Rachel's kidneys. Oh my God. So May 8th, I drive to New York to get my brain looked at and Kenny drives to Boston to Mass General. And so he has Rachel's kidney. So that kidney danced in Molly's funeral. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, And now it lives in Molly's dad. So that's why I have this not attractive, but meaningful tattoo because our shirts were be the miracle miracle, so hashtag heart molly b and then be the miracle which was rachel oh my god i have to take a picture of that yeah yeah so that's incredible oh my god i can't even like no i know it's crazy that is that is just and as far as like connections yeah and and your path and why you're supposed to be where you are wait and and being kind right so right. you you said i know what this mom's going through and i need to go connect yes. connect and right. help her it, you had no idea anything no. you no. just no were, agenda it, no, no agenda no, no, no. you just we have to do this to, yes. we have to do this right. and and then it's all so full circle right. like it's yeah that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So Rachel's grave is near Molly's. Um, they're in the same cemetery. And so, of course, I can't visit Molly without stopping by to see yeah. Rachel. So Kenny, <laughs> we live like a 30-second drive to the cemetery. It's like a mile from our house. Do you go often? Uh, it comes and goes. Sometimes yeah. I go all the time and sometimes I don't go at all. I only ask that because yeah. I don't go often. Yeah, no. And it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like my, my aunt 
Julie, who lost Caleb in 2011, he still doesn't have a gravestone. He just has like a little plaque. She can't do it. I had a gravestone made the Monday after we unplugged her because Molly had 9,000 friends and they needed a place to go. So I was just like, no, we have to. So you did it for other people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it has to be done. And here she is. And we have a bench, this beautiful blue stone bench. But every time Kenny goes to see Rachel, he has to pee. pee. He has to run in the woods and go down. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, we live a minute away. So pee. Yeah, but that's a sign. Pee, pee, pee. Here's your kidneys. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. But so he'll pee like, okay, there's no more pee. And two minutes later we're at the cemetery and he goes, Barbara, it's not possible because I pee like I haven't peed in a week. Oh, <laughs> She's poking Rachel's in his kidney. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's really funny. That, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel's mom, Jen, and dad, Dave, and Kenny and I are obviously really good friends. And so we have the highs and the lows together all the time. And my daughter, Gracie, works at Jen's Child Care Center. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, she's, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so it's a big, you know, that's such a part of our family. What meant to be yeah. 1 million percent. Yeah. I mean, that's... Rachel's younger sister, Allie, and Gracie did a, have done a couple of tap dances together. And so they did one to a song called Bruised Not Broken. Um, this oh. beautiful dance. So there's a scene, there's a, a part of a scene, there's a part of the dance where they touch each other on the shoulders and they look at each other. And so they're performing it once, they touch each other and I have this jolt where what I see is Molly and Rachel. Like I see them as clear as clearly yeah. as day. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my God. And Jen says to me, did you just see that? You know, <laughs> it was pretty intense. So it's a beautiful dance and, and that very, very healing and cathartic for them. Yeah. And so, for yeah. you all, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that's... So I wouldn't have found the brain tumors if I wasn't trying to do the baby thing. So I got cleared after that, that summer of 2019. So we, we did an IVF round and it didn't work. So I thought, okay. Wait, fi- and at this, at this point, you're how old? 55 turning 56. So I think, okay, it didn't work. I'm done. I'm too old. So I'm on the phone with a nurse and she says, well, you know, just stay in the estrace and let's just see what the doctor says when you come back. And so I go back and he just grins. No, I said, so are we done? Can we try again? And he just grins at me and he goes, do you want to twist my arm? And I'm like, okay. And he opens his drawer and he has like a notepad with a list. He goes, I have a plan. And he goes, it wasn't you, you know, so... Um, so we did some things differently and I was going to be, have the transfer in March, but then COVID came. And so oh, it just got gosh. put off. Oh my God. Um, God damn yeah. pandemic. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. So it was like, um, but. It's this point you must be like, what the fuck? Yes, exactly. Brain, you want to have a baby, well, brain tumor, yeah. COVID, like Although all this actually, stuff. Actually, like, I have to be honest, up until I was actually pregnant, I felt like I was just on a train and it would take me where it needed to go. I was really, really That's detached great. about it. Yeah. Um, or open. Yeah, yeah, right. Either way. And so whatever this journey was supposed to do for me, it would do it. Yeah. it I, so when, when it came time for the transfer, it was the end of July. He had, the doctor was sort of semi-retired. He was on a sabbatical. So I had this other doctor that was going to do the transfer. <laughs> the door bursts open. You know, I'm lying on the table in the all too familiar gynecology position, you know, knees to we the know. breeze and all, yeah. And, uh, and doc, there's Dr. Cardoni, and he goes, no, 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 no. Oh, she's the delicious me. Italian? Yes, uh-huh. she's mine. I'm like, oh. You're like, yes, yeah. I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> what do you want? Kenny's in the parking lot. <laughs> We're all good. <laughs> so so he, so we do the transfer. Um, and it's like a big, like, turkey baster, yeah. right? No, no, no. I, it was a, already a baby. I, I, I didn't have IUI. I had IVF. So... The, they conceive embryos in a yeah, petri yeah. dish. And I have so that too, and I forget. I it's just a think, needle. Oh, yeah. So Did you have a baster? No, I had that too, <laughs> yeah. but I just forget in my head it's a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a turkey baster. It's kind of yeah. not I have, hot. A, I have a, a, a married couple, both women, and they had the turkey baster. Like, All right. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. times. Yeah. Thanksgiving is fun in their house. <laughs> Please get a new turkey baster. <laughs> Has this been someplace I don't want to know? <laughs> or wait, I want to use that turkey baster. <laughs> exactly. Fideva so, Seva. Yeah. <laughs> So when it's all said and done, he goes, do you think this one will work? And I just said, if it's supposed to, you know, and that's such a different, most people that most women at this point are just like, mm, you yeah, know, right. frantic. And I'm like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it You're doesn't. It's laid back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it worked. So another little is I found out I was pregnant August 5th and that was the day that we conceived Gracie, like, you know, 20 years prior. How do you know um, that? Well, I don't know. It was a good bang. I'm yeah. a track coach and I know numbers, you know, I keep oh, wow. track of these mm. things. Yeah. Health educator, you know, track your, track your cycle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, I go to my local doctor. I don't know how it was for you, but I had, had the patch and the shots for the first 12 weeks of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So when those end, I you thought... Gave me, you gave me some of yeah, those, right? Yeah, butt shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this is when it might not work. You know, you stop and it, this is when the miscarriage could come. So it didn't. And then I was just seeing my local physician and he wouldn't let me tell anyone for 22 weeks. I'm like, what? He just wanted to protect me and I really you appreciate it You had a gag order? Now. Yeah, like, look, if you're just going to be so judged, you know, like, and I'm that kind of person anyway in my town. I don't know, preconceived notions and people like me or they hate me. Um, ask Anna, she can fill you all in. <laughs> I will and, tonight. But I he feel was, like yeah. if anyone like even had a concept of judging you after everything you'd been through and then you like... But you, you've been there too. Like when, you, when you're yeah, in the public eye yes, at all, yes. people yes. like they, they build you up yes. to knock you down sometimes. Yes. Oh, very much so. So I, th- yeah. I feel like that's something you have to yes. navigate and yes. it's not easy. No, 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 yeah. no, not at all. So it's easy for me to say that to you, but, but yes. you, the yeah. same thing yeah. happened to you. Yeah. I'm not that I'm Jesus by all means, but you know, Jesus, nobody in his town would believe him. He had to travel other places to share the message because they don't know him as, you know, that carpenter that builds crooked houses or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, the and Jewish carpenter. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think sometimes I'm easier received. It's, it's why I love meeting people that didn't know me before Molly died, because there's, there's nothing to live up to. This is who I am. Yeah. Right. Um, so I went 22 weeks, and it was during that time, I had test after test after test, and I had to have a fetal echo on baby Gordy to make sure his heart was okay. So this is a triggering moment for us, because the baby I lost in 1999 at 25 weeks gestation, or 24 weeks. Which is... So far along. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, I didn't know I was pregnant until like 15 weeks. I was oh. on the pill oh. and running a lot. And I'm like, why do I have boobs? Like, <laughs> no, that was my big thing. Like, Same. Yeah. It's like, like, what? What? So I didn't have 24 weeks to get to know this baby boy, 10 weeks, but we didn't tell anybody. Nobody in my town knew because neither of us, Kenny and I were, had only been together a year and my divorce was final, but his wasn't. And, you know, it was just one of those, he said nothing. So the, that fetal echo is what made us realize this baby would never live outside the uterus. And so it's very triggering. And so, you know, there's the hallway with the big windows and, you know, I, oh, there's the mural. Like all Same of it. Same place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When I'm having the fetal echo, and this was December of 2020, I'm telling the, the tech about Molly. And she said, oh, all of us know Molly. You can't work at Dartmouth-Hitchcock and not know Molly. If something isn't right, we're taught to think about Molly. You know, if something doesn't make sense, we take a breath and think about about Molly, which makes me so happy because I'm gonna have to ask Lori. I bet she knows Molly. Yeah, yeah. my friend Lori works. It's just like such a horrifying but, situation. And, but and amazing that she changed the mindset yes. of so many medical right. yes. people right. there. That like 
this is not going to happen right. again. Right. The nurses in the OR said they had never seen a surgeon cry. And when they did the MRI the day after to see, and the brain was just, cho- her brain was just chocolate pudding, that the surgeon just sobbed. Two hours, two hours earlier, they'd done a CAT scan. I could have gotten it out in time. Like, it was really just that. Wow. And for a surgeon to cry. Yeah, exactly. Because they have big egos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, not this one. So we go to the fetal echo, and I'm chattering away because I'm nervous. And we had this guy with an Italian accent 20 years prior, Dr. Rockenmacher or something like that. I'm seeing so, a trend here, Bob. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Non-American doctors. Yeah, I know. Italian. So, I'm hearing Italian. Well, no, Rockenmacher. He had this Irish. He was Irish. Oh, and then my OBG, yeah, my, right, my OBGYN in Concord is Ashish Shottery. So nice Indian guy. That's fun. So, yeah. So a little sidebar with Dr. Shottery. When I had Molly, she had a giant head, like a giant. And she wouldn't come out. They gave me Pitocin. And they're like, don't push and only I'm sorry only a male OBGYN would tell a pregnant woman in labor not to push your body doesn't oh I guess I shouldn't push now your I'm body, gonna do kegels yeah, now yeah, yeah so Molly came flying out and had all these stitches and so <laughs> Dr. Shottery was a brand new doctor then in, in town and so I went because I made Kenny get a mirror don't ever look at your vagina oh, no. have a baby first of all it's huge and broken and wrong and yeah. in there in there is like a lost sock some Tupperware lids like what am I looking at like it was horrifying so that's doc- where that Tupperware lid is <laughs> exactly exactly there's a sofa in there like, so so Dr. Shari's like yeah you look great and I'm like okay I don't know what you're looking at so that was sort of my relationship clearly with not my vagina yeah, exactly <laughs> so and then his sons danced at CDA with Gracie so I've known him all along so yeah but he's my good Indian guy. So at any rate, back to the the echo. <laughs> so when I'm all done with, and I tell her all about the baby we lost and how hard it is for me to be here and all this. So the cardiologist comes in and starts asking me questions about baby Gordy, the baby I lost and like, what was the heart defect? And so transposition of the great arteries upside down and backwards, basically only one aorta, only one ventricle, but the aorta was, the atrium was on the bottom. The vent, he would, couldn't have lived outside the uterus. So we donated his body. We delivered him, and he didn't even survive contractions or anything. And so we donated his body to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia because I just felt like, okay, I didn't even know I was pregnant. I had 10 weeks with this, and he can't live. And so I can't just bury him in the ground. Like, no. Yeah. You know, so we, we sent him off to Philadelphia for an autopsy. And, um, and so this doctor that's analyzing my fetal echo on baby Gordy, I mean baby Jack, in 2020, did the autopsy on baby Gordy in 1999. So that was a interesting... That is insane. Right? Yeah. Philly, so Philly, New Hampshire. And then he comes to New Hampshire Hospital. Yeah. yeah. And she normally don't oh, work... she. She yeah. didn't normally work on Tuesdays. She didn't normally work peds. It was just one of those fill-in things. So then we go along and I'm perfectly healthy and fine and then I have preeclampsia. So I have oh. to have... I have to have Jack. Bed rest. Yeah. No, I just... I just had... Just, they just induced me and I had him. Oh, well, okay. They didn't okay. have to induce sure. me. I went in on March 20th... Um, March 19th, rather. And they gave me magnesium because my blood pressure was like, you know... 110, no, 205 over 110. Like that's, that's some high. ridiculous. That's high for you folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, out there. I felt fine. Like I felt, f- which was alarming because I felt fine. But clearly, so they gave me the magnesium and then they stripped my membrane. So have either have either of you seen um, the Handmaid's Tale? Yes. No. Okay. okay. So, I'm like fully no. caught up. Right. So except you know, for last night's you know, episode, pregnant Offred when they're trying to get her to have the baby yep. way back when and yep. that whole scene. So that's how I felt. I'm on the bed, <laughs> being held down by these LNAs that I could be their grandmother and. You know, so you felt like a handmaid? The, yeah, the doctor's got her arm like up to my throat almost, trying to strip my membranes. I'm like, handmaid's tail. So oh my God, totally. <laughs> oh, just, I know it's disturbing. Gross. Where's know, the Martha? Where's my Martha? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm offered now. Yes. But I woke up in the morning thinking, oh, they must have changed their mind because I slept all night. I don't remember getting Pitocin, nothing. So I order breakfast and I'm eating breakfast and drinking coffee. Um, Kenny's at a dance competition with Gracie. 
and and uh, the nurse comes in like how are the doctor how are you feeling I'm like are we not having a baby today and she's like well you know your contractions are 90 seconds apart you've been in labor since three o'clock this morning I'm like hmm okay <laughs> Kenny I think you need to come up here so they broke my water at 11:30 and at 12:30 um, I'm surprised they let you eat. Well, they didn't know I was eating. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're sneaking yeah. food. <laughs> the doctor says, why don't you try pushing? I'm like, I'm not ready to push. I just didn't think... I didn't even think I'd been in labor. Like I didn't have that whole process yeah. of, you know, they get closer and more intense and maybe you throw up or you whatever. And so she goes, come on, give me one good push. So I gave one good push and out he came. Oh my God. <laughs> that one was One push gift. wonder. Yeah. And then lunch came because I don't have lunch. <laughs> so, so like 20 minutes later, mm. little, little cafeteria people come in. I'm like, oh, put it over there. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. I just had a baby. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. So you had him at Baby Jack at what age? 57. Amazing. And was yeah. he early? Only, he was due April 13th. They wouldn't have let me go past so molly's april 1st and gracie's april 24th so he was due right in between those two but um i love that he has his own month i think it's better yeah march so, yeah so, so march 20th so he 20th. was you know like 30 like 35 weeks which is early not preemie right yeah um so he was 513 perfect and like 18 inches long just so yummy so my owen was born on april 2nd but due on april 24th hmm. right I don't know. I mean, I, I usually remember these <laughs> I know, things. I know, but yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. just more connections. Um, yeah. That is, yeah. yeah, that is amazing. And so now he's 19 months. Yes, as feisty as words I won't say. Oh my gosh, little boy babies are nothing oh. like little girl babies. Oh, I'm yes. Sorry. Molly yes. and Gracie were were a handful, but you could essentially put them someplace and they'd stay put. Oh no. Oh, oh no, no. They're and on then, the go. Yeah. Oh yes. And then when he when you tell him no, he's he just gets this look like, excuse me. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I'm the king of the house. Yes, by the way. <laughs> so now you and Kenny are together, like living. We're 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 best friends, I guess is the best wow. way to describe it. You know, and yeah. I, You've been through a lot together. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Today is actually our twenty second, the twenty second anniversary of our wedding. We got married on October thirteenth in two thousand. Oh wow! So wow. we were divorced in two thousand fourteen, but it's still the anniversary of our wedding. You know, and we live we live a married couple life. So wow! So we yeah. so do like, you celebrate? Do, yeah. Um. So sometimes, normally, typically, our celebration was to go to this restaurant in Manchester called the Back Room and have a giant mudslide, and he'd have like a <laughs> he'd have like a perfect Manhattan, and then we'd stagger home. <laughs> That's how we celebrate, but. You know, Molly was a huge, a huge holiday person. And so holidays in our family are just best not acknowledged, not like ignored, yeah. you know, but like at Christmas, we go to Disney now. I love, um, yeah, I think yeah. that's... And then I can't stand, I don't want my birth, just ignore my birthday. It doesn't matter to me. Um, All right, when is it? So July 29th. Good, we'll celebrate the yeah. shit out of <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Well, take me to the city and get me drunk. I'm all over it. But yeah, that's yeah, amazing. So, yeah, so that for for us, like some families, you know, they feel pressure to keep the the traditions going, but that that isn't us so much. I don't so, think that there are any rules. There are no. There rules. are no rules. One hundred percent for every every person who's dealing with grief deals with it differently yes, yeah. and it's okay. Yes. Like yes. I I always say that to people too. Like even in my field, like whatever you've gone through, there's no manual. No. You're not doing it wrong. Right Nobody's now. thriving either. No. Oh my God. No. That, you're you're no. going to say that every that's single. What, I know. That's your thing. Nobody's yes. thriving. Yes. No. Oh, I'm not thriving. <laughs> Surviving, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I feel like yeah. a lot of people Listen, are just. Yeah. I'm, th I'm thriving. Are you? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. She's fine. She's, She's yeah. fine. She's I'm fine, fine She's and fine. thriving. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. We, we could talk all day, but we, we, are, we are like, well, well, over. But we, we, need, we should have a part two. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to ask back. you a couple. Like have, yeah, so much. Just a couple questions. Funny I love questions. your questions. Yeah, I love your funny questions. Okay. 
They're all Jen. They're not me. She's the researcher. And well, funny. this isn't funny, but it could be, I guess. <laughs> what is the one thing, because you're an open book, yeah, yeah. what is the one thing that people would be surprised to find out about you? Hmm. Spill it. <laughs> Do it. Deep, deep, I don't, dark. I don't know which one to pick. Ooh. Surprise. Oh, you can pick well, I know you mentioned something earlier about your high school days. Oh, yeah. I lost my virginity to my biology teacher. Oh, that is surprising. That's, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't be surprised by that, though. Oh, but well, I am. Yeah. So, am. two episodes ago, I think it's episode 50 something or other, I talk all about science, science, science guy. guy. I, wow. I heard about science guy, but yeah. I didn't hear the virginity part. Oh, yeah. Were you really? You missed that? Yeah. She talks about science guy. A couple no, but times. she told us earlier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she was looking out the window. She was, she was pouring the drinks. I, was I know, the yeah. She was making the, the lovely. Yeah, you are. You're a good bartender. Jesus. Jesus, Bobby. What are you looking forward to now in your life? Um, I guess just for, forward movement that has a better balance of grief and joy. I've tried to take the word but out of my life. Yes, like, me just too. Just remove the word. Yes. I can be happy and sad in the same exact millisecond. Yes. So stop telling me Molly would want me to be happy. You don't know what Molly would want, and I can be both. So I think as I go along and try to navigate straddling the fence better, life is just more manageable and, and doable. I and think so, that's yeah. such a poignant point. Yeah. And, yeah. and I too, that is, but is a very big thing that I try, even like- Unless you're talking about your badonkadonk. Yes. And I always <laughs> want someone to say I have a good badonkadonk, right? <laughs> but I always try to omit that word. Yeah. Because even if, if you, if you say something like, I had a great day today, but- It negates the great day. Yes. Totally. It's, I had a great day today and I cried seven times. Yeah. Yeah. It's you still very, had a great day. Yep. And you cried seven yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. My friend, that. Kim, who lost her husband suddenly says, it's been, it's been seven days since my last cry. <laughs> Yeah, right. that's how she starts. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, like an AA meeting. Yes, <laughs> it's been seven minutes since my last shot of tequila. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, I got to do my typical okay. toilet yep. paper one. Oh, I love this one. All right, so toilet paper, beard, so, or mullet. So I grew up with the under. All my memories of childhood, you mm-hmm. pulled it from the bottom. Yeah, Roy, the guy I went to. Amsterdam with the week before Molly died was fastidious that it was over 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 and he found out finds out would find funny things on the <laughs> internet about putting it over yes. and all this I was friendly with his family for a while and um so when he's a he um travels while he's a pilot and so when oh he was boy. gone they'd switch it yes <laughs> to under oh. and then when his family came home they put it back to over <laughs> I switch it over yeah. yeah so I I I pretty much always do it over now just because I, that's just the habit it's a hairdo but quite Quite honestly, I could give a rat's ass whether it's over or under. <laughs> Wait, I love the question. I would like to like dive deeper into this, but we're not going to. But Roy was a pilot. He still is a pilot. Yeah. He still is a pilot. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't like a, a thing, like a flag, like a... Oh, oh honey, the what flags. Oh, the flags are huge now. You know, it's the same sort of thing. You don't really but see them. You guys can talk about flags. I mean, oh yeah, flag on the play. Yeah, so flag, 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 flag. No, no, but like everyone always says like, don't ever date a pilot. Like, Really? Yes, they like stay in different cities with different women oh, when okay. they travel, yeah. No offense to any pilots oh, yeah, if, no, you're no, no. <laughs> if you're out there listening. If you're out there banging and listening, banging people. a virgin pilot. <laughs> yeah, right, right. If you're not actually a pilot, yes, right. no, no offense. <laughs> but you play one on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure they still take advantage of the, yeah, being yeah. a pilot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like so, to call it a pilo. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's pronounced pilo. <laughs> pilo. French pilot. <laughs> and last question, Barb. How would you like to be remembered? Um, it's not deep at all. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Real quick, Just last real question. Quick. So what I know is that if political leaders were elected by people under the age of 12, then I would be president of the world. I'm really, really good with kids, and I just think that way. So I guess I would want to be remembered as by adults as 
someone who really loved their kids. Does that make sense? Uh, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like, like, oh my God, I loved Barb. She was so good to my child. Like that. And Be- you're a kid at heart. Right. Oh, like. I'm just a wrinkly kid. <laughs> Trust me. A wrinkly, somewhat saggy now. <laughs> but breastfeeding child. <laughs> I've, wow. Yeah. It's incredible. You know what's the best thing about breastfeeding at my age is when you don't nurse all day, you get these firm. Huge yeah, boobs. And it's like, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, I yeah. would look in the mirror at them when I was breastfeeding. I was like, oh my God, look, look at these, these bad knockers. Boys. Like yeah. you're like, a porn star you're like hey these are here these are bees wow. these yeah. are bees now I yeah i went for, i went to like a c minus yeah it was good I've never i've never seen that <laughs> oh wow that is amazing yeah okay all right and it's important to note you're a crossfit yeah i'm big into crossfit crossfit was what saved me after my job loss like you are so not late 50s no, 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 no. I was, in a, I was in a competition a couple weeks ago and I got fifth out of 12 women. And only one of them was in their 40s. It's a master's division because it started at age 35. So 10 of the women were like 37. Oh my so God. I could, I'm 22 years older than yeah. 10 of my competitors. So yeah. I got fifth. So I beat five, I beat seven of them. You wow. Know. Well, we have to just badass. give you one more shout out too, because you were the first woman in New Hampshire to do a sub five, five minute mile. Yep. 1981. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And you're telling me I'm not and don't expect big things at Devon Stash? Even if you oh, did no, like no, a, I did a 5K like a couple of weeks ago and it took me like 34 minutes. I'm like, that's my goal. What's happened? <laughs> yeah. Hashtag yeah. goals. I mean, <laughs> hashtag goals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I feel yeah. like, wait, so is baby Jack going to come? Yeah. I, I think I'll just bring the whole ship. Um, oh, I'll bring Gracie and Jack. I would love that. The, and I would love my kids to meet Gracie. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. Well, and Caleb's death really affected our family. Molly and Gracie just couldn't wrap their heads around the fact that a child would die. Whenever I see in the news that someone's been diagnosed with a dip G or a DIPG, I always get a lump in my throat because it was just, you know, just hard. No care. No, you can, no, exactly. Yes. And ultimately, I realize now, even though Molly's tumor was non-cancerous, the astrocytoma was a, a tricky one yeah. and a sneaky one, and they typically come back way worse than when they first arrived. So yeah. I just have to be okay. Yeah. You, you are and doing, you are doing amazing. Can. Yeah, you it's are. been such an amazing and an honor to sit with you. Well, Sam, the honors on my end as well. I, I've shared your podcast with several of my friends that love podcasts. And, Thank you know, you. When, when, when does it come? When does it start? When's it I know, yeah. we're take, we took a break. Yeah, but I've now never it's, taken a break. I've just done. I know you are. You are yeah. plowing through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very, it's like my weekly therapy session. I, I, yeah. I love it. It's very yeah. cathartic. We yep. get it. Yeah, yeah, we love it. And we love having guests on that share and make us Well, you guys just make me laugh. So we should have to do an episode and share our, like, call drunk stories yes we can okay you know all those we'll be we'll come to you cars driving through houses and all i just i have so many (laughs) so many similar memories (laughs) it's amazing all my friends are like please don't use our last names i'm like i won't oh our friends are like please use my last name or misty feels misty feels yes should we cheers cheers mine is gone so i need a new one but thank you so much cheers Cheers. thank you barb you're amazing so are you
them, but you know they're always there for all.